the larger a company gets, the more important communication and, and transparency I think becomes because we've focused really hard on being a amazing place to work and driving an amazing culture, being really intentional. But I think it's because we have a very intentional schedule of how we do those types of communication. And so, you know, whether it's the performance engagement software we're using that schedules the surveys we're sending out or the format for the the Monday meetings we do as a company or the agendas and the schedules that and the software that we use to run all that, I think little by little we've set up consistent ways to deliver a consistent experience for our employees. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us and we'll get into today's guest. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today is Chris Ronzio, who is the founder plus CEO of Trainual. Chris, how are you today? I'm awesome. You got the plus in there. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it because you asked about it. So I'm. Uh, I thanks for being here. I'm super grateful to chat with you today. So for all of our listeners, I came across Chris because I saw like the coolest ad that I've ever seen for something for Trainual, which I'm sure he'll tell us about. And I was like, you know what? We got to get this guy in the podcast. So Chris, why don't you tell people about Trainual? Tell people about your background, and we'll go from there. I love it because when we put the ad out, we expected to get customers, not amazing opportunities like this. So this is like a bonus. But yeah, so Trainual is an online software. The word came from the term training manual. So if you've built a business, you probably have some form of training manual or operations manual or franchise manual. But basically, it's a secret sauce for your company. It's the policies, the procedures, the, the things that make you who you are. And so as you're telling the story about your company, your culture, your vision, your history, and how you do what you do. Trainual is a place to record all of that, to onboard your new hires and to keep your existing people up to speed. That's awesome. So, and uh, how big is the company now? 40 something? We're just past 50 people. Ooh, that's awesome. So uh, I've got sort of two, you can sort of choose your own adventure here. One of them is asking about your own entrepreneurship journey, like building your company and what kind of stuff you need to put in place there. And then the other sort of path I want to take is what you've seen possible for your clients, because obviously like being able to help people scale, grow, put those processes in place really highlights the importance of documentation. So which of those two tracks do you want to take first? 
They're so parallel because it's kind of like we're, we are our own customer with Trainual. And so much of our marketing and the storytelling that we do is benefiting our customers because we're just solving our own problems and then telling people about what we figured out two weeks ago. Like even through all of this, you know, COVID coronavirus stuff, there's been so many policies and templates we've created and webinars we've done that are like internal. We just made them a week ago for ourselves. And it's like, let's make that a template for everybody. So it's been a really cool journey to learn things ourselves and then help share those best practices. So I, I, I think we can kind of hit, you know, two, two birds with one stone. Cool. So what would you say you've seen as the biggest impact? So as a leader, as a CEO, you know, having the stuff documented, what does that like open up the door to? And how was that contributed to like your ultimate company success? The biggest reasons to document would be consistency, clarity, and the ability to delegate. So consistency is the first one. When you've got multiple people that are dabbling in the same area of business, no doubt they're going to try different things and they're going to do things a little bit differently. So a perfect example for us was when we had one sales rep doing demos, she had a pretty specific way to do it. When we have three or four or five reps doing demos, they're all doing things a little differently. And for the customer, it kind of depends on which day you log in, what version of the thing you're going to get. And when we saw that this person has this kind of conversion rate and this person has this kind of conversion rate, there's a reason to document because we want consistency in the results. And so for any business that's seeing that inconsistency, that would be reason number one. The next thing would be clarity, which is, you know, if you don't give someone clear instructions, then how can you expect them to do things correctly? And so when you see mistakes in businesses, a lot of times it just comes down to poor instructions. You know, you just sort of like handed something off and said, please, you deal with this because I don't want to. And you didn't explain how to do it or what good looks like. And so you didn't get a good result back. And so if you're, you know, not happy with results, you're thinking like, oh, this is, it's way easier to do myself than to show someone else how to do it. It's probably that you're hiring the wrong person or you're not giving them the right instructions. So those are the first two things. And then delegation, I guess, is, is really the big one because the reason you document something is to delegate it. Like you wouldn't write down instructions for yourself to run through every time you do the thing. Like you write down documentation because you aspire to have someone else do something the way you know how to do it. That's the only reason to create documentation. And so it's an empowering kind of thing because it's not just for the leaders in a business, it's for every single person in a business. If they want to have upward mobility and get promoted and not do the entry level stuff they were hired to do, then someday they're going to have to manage somebody else and they're going to have to offload certain responsibilities. And so documentation is your path to be able, be able to do that. So I don't know if this is a similar or different answer, but like what were some of those big ahas that you went through, you know, not necessarily just in the, the documenting of how you wanted to grow the company, but it looks like you have a, a background of entrepreneurship, a lot of different things that you've done. You know, what were some, some of those big leadership aha moments that you'd like our listeners to take into consideration as whether they're a small company of 40, 50 people, or maybe they're a leader of, of 2,000, 3,000 people and some lessons that you might think are valuable for them? So there's obviously, you know, thousands of lessons at all different stages. I would say the the very first, like the most elementary lesson for me was the first business book I ever read was The E-Myth, if you've ever read that. And when I was in high school, I started my first company. It was a video production company that I would ultimately run for 12 years and sell. But when I was in high school, it was me and a friend. And he was the camera 
guy and I was the editor. And then I would do camera if he was sick or whatever it was, you know? And slowly there became 10, 15, 20 different roles and responsibilities in the business. And, and we were each kind of having to take on different, different things. And so pretty quickly, I had to stop being the one to record and the one to edit the videos. And when I stopped being the one that was producing the work that we were being hired to produce, I saw this line in the sand being drawn between doing the work and managing the business. And so for me, that was like a really amazing lesson that since I've talked to a lot of business leaders and owners that have struggled to get out of doing the work in the day to day. And like even in my my consulting business, as I was doing the work of consulting, I was pretty aware of the fact that this isn't going to scale. You know, I can't do this forever until I find unless I find other consultants. And so we packaged the types of services that we were doing and 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 made it more scalable for other consultants to deliver. And then it's the same, of course, to train you with a, a product, a software product that we're selling. So I think that would be lesson number one is how can you get yourself away from doing the work so that that becomes your service becomes a product or your product is a product that you don't have to scale your time to scale the business. So that would be the first thing. The next thing for me was really about focus. So in my video company, for instance, we started by doing any sort of video. It was like, you know, I would do a, a anniversary party and a wedding and a bat mitzvah and a, then a soccer game and then a commercial and then a music video for some like up and coming rapper. And, you know, it was like always something different until finally I started to get contracts with sports organizations that would have games every week or tournaments every month. And I realized there was this repeatability to those clients that didn't exist with the other clients. And so when I looked at all the types of video work we did, I saw that events were the scalable thing. And it wasn't until I realized that, that that business started to take off. And then even further, it wasn't until I picked the types of events and we got known as like the figure skating video company or whatever, that we were able to scale to the next level. So I think whatever you're selling today, you can probably simplify and that will help you help you grow further. And then, you know, the bigger a company gets, I think so much of it becomes about people and about communication and management. And that's a lot of the later lessons. So I don't know how deep you want to get. Well, it's perfect. I mean, like really, I think the key, the key secret sauce that makes Chris is, is repeatability. I won't ask you if you wear the same socks every Monday, but um, as a, as a looking at repeatability and obviously the company to get it to where it is, is it's intentional. What are some of those practices that you you either are putting in place for 2021 that you're looking forward to or that you've put in place that have helped you really as like a manager that have helped you like support the people and, and you alluded to people and you alluded to communication, but do you have that level of repeatability as a, as a CEO in place? Yeah. So the, the, the socks thing is funny, but I, I mean, I, I like recently threw away all my socks so I could buy one pair that, that that's the same brand and it looks the same. And so I think that it goes to consistency, but you're spot on there. You know, the, the repeatability at our size right now is really about the schedule, the frequency of, you know, how often do we do one-on-ones and check-ins with managers and how often do we do engagement surveys with the team and how often do we do performance evaluations and how often do we do the all-hands meetings and the quarterly updates. And so the larger a company gets, the more important communication and, and transparency, I think, becomes because we've focused really hard on being a amazing place to work and driving an amazing culture, being really intentional. But I think it's because we have a very 
intentional schedule of how we do those types of communication. And so, you know, whether it's the performance engagement software we're using that schedules the surveys we're sending out or the format for the the Monday meetings we do as a company or the agendas and the schedules that and the software that we use to run all that, I think little by little we've set up consistent ways to deliver a consistent experience for our employees. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, level two. First, you try to do a consistent experience for your customers and behind the scenes, it's chaos, you know, and then you try to do a consistent experience for for your, your team. And that's what we're really focused on. Have you experienced chaos with your team? Oh yeah. I mean, it's like uh, consistency comes from chaos. You know, it's like you, you don't set it up perfect from the beginning. You set, you set it up perfectly because somebody raises their hand and says, this sucks. Can we fix this? You know? And so I think everything we do has come from doing it poorly. Like the, um, all hands meetings that we have on, on Mondays, you know, at first it was kind of like we used to stand in the same room and read off a sheet and then we went remote and then someone said, we should make slides. And instead of Chris just talking like every department, leader should present something. And then someone else was like, well, why don't we rotate that so more people get exposure? And then someone else was like, let's have marketing take a look at that slide deck so it actually looks cool and it's more engaging. And it just slowly iterates and gets better. So it sounds, I mean, you, the, the word incremental is what I wrote down is like as all businesses. But also what I hear from you as a CEO and as a leader is like, you're like willing to do that. Like you didn't have to like run it all. And I also heard like an openness, transparency where you have a culture of, of allowing people to, to contribute. Do you have a manual for that? How did you set up the culture? What was like your thinking around developing the culture at Trainual? Some of it was, you know, our core values and everything from the very beginning. Trainual as a business came from Trainual, the software within my consulting business. So it's a kind of a longer story, but I had a team of five that was doing the consulting work and Trainual was a product that we gave for free to our clients. And when the small team of us decided, let's make Trainual the business, we had the benefit of taking the everything we learned in the consulting business and kind of parlaying that into a software company. And so a lot of the core values just mapped right over. And when we were really intentional about maintaining the, the culture as we brought on more people. And so for us, transparency and everybody feeling like they have ownership over making things better has been crucial from the beginning. And so it's it's definitely an important piece to, I think, scaling a business is, is collecting feedback and having everyone feel like they can contribute. When I was consulting, I would go into a business and the project I had was called the uh, Organized Chaos project, flagship project. And I would go in and interview 30 or 40 or however many employees that they had, um, all confidential interviews, like half hour to hour long interviews. And I'd ask 40 or 50 questions of everybody. And the number one thing that would come out of those interviews is that they had given suggestions that the company didn't take, or they had made complaints that the company never reacted to, or they had failed at something that the company wasn't willing to invest in improving. And so these things exist in every business. But if the leaders don't you know, provide a, an open way to deliver that, feedback. And then if they don't provide some action, if they don't take action on that feedback, then people get really disengaged and and they don't care about the company anymore. And so I think that, that that's the best thing you can do is to provide a way to give feedback and then act on it. 
Yeah, we find that a lot, like with the stakeholder engagement sessions that we do, is both the opportunity to share, the feeling heard. And this is a thing that I see a lot of managers and leaders don't do is they don't close the loop. Like if you ask for feedback, even if you don't act on it, just say, hey, we got it. Like, and we're not going to do anything with it. It's the openness that really like drives people crazy. Yeah. One of the things I would suggest, so if anybody listening does like a survey or asks for this kind of feedback, um, we would always get hundreds of items and I'd go through with our clients and try to pick out a few quick wins. And these were things that you could accomplish in less than two weeks. And so, you know, this, this might be a huge project with tons of action items and stuff coming out of it, but tucked in there, there's a couple of suggestions like, I wish I had a second monitor because I've got like 15 windows up all day, you know, or like my chair is broken or the sink is leaky or, you know, I have to spend 10 minutes a day going and get packages or, you know, there's like all these little problems. And if you can solve a couple of the little problems, it gives your team such confidence that you're going to work together on the big ones. Yeah. Plus you don't have to remind yourself of them every time you walk by and you're like, oh, that thing, oh, that thing, oh, that thing. <laughs> yeah. We talked about repeatability. We talked about cadence. We talked about all that stuff. We talked about systems to make sure that there's consistency. We're entering 2021. You're seeing a bunch of people and some are still having to innovate. So from a culture perspective, and obviously as a software company, you know, you've had to do that. How do you manage consistency with innovation and disruption and, and change? Ooh, good question. All right. So there will always be the need to innovate. You know, everybody will always need to innovate because the world's not going to stop changing. And so I think that companies that aren't willing to innovate won't be around long. There'll be, you know, companies that are around for a cycle and someone buys them or they go out of business or whatever it is. And so if if you want to sustain as a business, you need to innovate. If you're just an overnight pop-up shop and you want to, you know, have a good run, then maybe you just stick to what you're doing. But, you know, innovation is core to endurance in business. So the way we think about it is that, you know, there are objectives, strategic objectives for the company every year that are innovative, that are really like steering the ship or changing the direction of our future. And then there are, you know, the other 80% of the stuff that needs to get done, which is just the operating tasks or, you know, the, the like maintaining what you already do. And so, you know, to use our company as an example, we have customer success teams, customer support reps, inbound sales reps, you know, a lot of the the tasks for these team members or for our finance team, you know, they are doing the same thing week over week, month over month. And they're just trying to operationally improve, meaning they get more productive, they get more efficient, they can handle more capacity, they get more senior at it, they bring on other team members. But that's not innovation. That's just, uh, it's, it's may- maybe more incremental innovation and getting better at a certain thing. Whereas the you know, other parts of the business, like some of our product squads and engineering squads and, and you know, the research, like that, that side is maybe creating some new, in, entirely new experience for a new type of customer we don't serve today at a new price point. And they're testing it with a member of the marketing team with a landing page to see what kind of you know, click-throughs we get. And so th- there's always going to be both activities in the business. And what people listening can do as a culture is to explain not everyone's going to be in a cutting-edge innovative role. And not everyone's going to be in a maintenance operational role. But 
the success of the company requires having both of those. And so in our all hands meetings, our weekly meetings or quarterly meetings, we reflect back on here are all the operational improvements we made, the getting better at doing the things we already do. And here are the strategic improvements we made on like creating new things. And by constantly showing that stuff off, it makes it okay to experiment and test and fail and have fun. But it also celebrates that the base of the company is continually getting stronger. Well, I like that. I was just talking to somebody who's on a board today and, and the board is the definition of strategic work. And then you have people that are like doing project work and day-to-day stuff. And some people like both. And then you sort of have to be some very good operators, CEOs who've had to do the, okay, I'm the one coding the very first website and sitting there for hours. Or just, okay, I'm the one like leading that strategic work. So managing that experience, I think is a really important skill for a leader to develop. And then you also talked about like KPI or sounds like KPIs, open transparency with your numbers so that you can look at that incremental consistent increase. Anything you want to say about uh, your approach to that? Yeah. KPIs are something that I stressed myself over for so long with my video company, my consulting company. When I was just learning about it, everyone's saying you need KPIs. And I was like, what are the KPIs for my business? It's like revenue, right? You know, and and now I finally get it that every department has different numbers. And, you know, maybe it, it is it depends on the, the size of your company. When you're one or two or three people, you have a very narrow set of KPIs. And when you're 30 or 40 or 50 people, it's a different game. And when you're hundreds or thousands of people, it's entirely different again. For us, KPIs are everything from the net promoter score of how people feel about the product to the uh, happiness ratings of our customer support tickets to the load times on the pages that the engineering is tracking with their dashboards and, and downtime. And you know everybody has a specific set of metrics. Um, and then the, the leader, our team leads are reporting on those. And so I think the, the larger you get, the more important it is to manage those KPIs because slight changes in KPIs have much bigger movement on a bigger business. Whereas when you're just trying to get something off the ground, it really is like, get customers, get revenue, let's get this thing sustainable, and then we'll start to fine tune. Yeah. And what I find interesting in the companies that we see is the length of time it can take from the actual activity happening by the time the information gets up to the top. So like you said, in a smaller company, if you're just focused on revenue, it's a pretty clear like, hey, I closed a deal today. I know the revenue number. But because it can have a widespread implication that like being understanding of your key performance indicators, your KPIs, um, and tracking those is important. Uh, We like Cascade. Cascades are friends of the podcast. So if you need a tool to look at that, check out Cascade. Okay, now I'm going to ask you like a harder question. Okay. And of course, by the time the podcast comes out, you will have already solved this. But is there anything as a CEO or as a leader that you're feeling challenged with that you haven't solved yet or that you're, you know, taking on as a personal challenge, whether it's culturally, whether it's personally, whether it's like the state of the world right now? Because, you know, we could talk about that for a while. Like anything that you're going to work on as a leader currently? Well, because you mentioned the state of the world and everything, I'll 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 stick with that for a second. You know, this year has been a lot of really cool wins for us and a lot of investment in keeping people engaged even though they're working remotely. So just for some context, I guess, beginning of the year, all but one of our employees were in Arizona where we where our headquarters is. And now we have employees in uh, two countries and six states. And we've started to hire more remotely, which has just changed the DNA of the business. 
Um, so we, we, we try to embrace that, that trend and, and feel like there's no going back. But now what I'm really focused on is, you know, for those, those types of projects, when you really just want everyone in a room with a whiteboard, you know, how do you mimic that in a remote environment? And so there's a lot we're testing with just interactive tools and digital whiteboard tools, uh, you know, like a, until VR gets to where I believe it can get to, you know, there's, there's still something I personally really like about getting together with people in person. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, as travel restrictions start to lift and we can at least have our remote team members come in, in person for, for key events or for key uh, strategic planning. But that's something that we're working through right now. Like what's the right way to approach that? What's the timeline to approach that so that it's safe for everyone and maximum impact? Mm. That's interesting. One of our strategic priorities as a company, because we thought like through our scenario planning, so many buzzwords, um, is like actually like the human connection. And it's a thing that I didn't even, you know, you don't realize what you're missing until you miss it. And I had gone like seven months being like, remote's fine. I don't need to see anybody. Like, I'm totally cool. And then I was in a, a session with like 10 other CEOs doing a peer group. And I was like, Oh, I miss this. Like this is not the same as as online. And so I, I just had assumed that you were a remote company and some people are totally cool with that. But I think that starting in March, people are like, oh, this is gonna track on and then now it's going. And I think that this sort of like expectation of change is gonna start wearing on people. And and it's interesting to see how people are dealing with it, if they're dealing with it like head on or just trying to like avoid it. And so it sounds like you're just, you know seeing what you can do and still in the exploratory phase of that. Head on. I mean, we're addressing it head on and talking about it with people and trying to see like what the best way to emerge from this is. You know, like I'm a, a partner and board member of another company called Design Pickle that uh, has 600 employees around the world and has always been a remote company. And the the difference there was that there would be, you know, events all around the world to get people together once or twice a year. And when that's not happening, it becomes harder to sustain the in-person connections with just, you know, ad hoc Zoom meetings and Slack messages. And I think that everyone that's running a remote team right now is trying to figure out how to replace travel with with other fun, you know, non-necessary work-related engagement. Yeah. You just do some uh, Among Us, just get everybody's audio on and then start playing Among Us instead of working. Um, will you guys ever do a, a trainual uh, summit? You train your old user group with a bunch of people who use your product in a, in a room? Yeah, we'd love. I mean, we've done two virtual events already. We had 2,000 people at a virtual event we did in the fall. And and uh, we'll continue that virtually or hybrid until in-person makes sense. But uh, we would love to get people together. And so now, you know, with with hundreds of thousands of users and, a, and you know, a, a growing community of, in, in the product, um, I think we could do some really cool things in person when when that's acceptable, you know, when it's acceptable and safe to do that. So, um, very cool. So I'll ask you one more question, you know, in terms of where you see the world going, you mentioned communities, you know, a little bit, like, what do you see as, as the future of business? What excites you? What are you looking forward to for not just your own company? Obviously you're involved with others, but sort of the world of, of business strategy and leadership as a whole. Yeah. I think that this space that we're all kind of 
floundering in trying to figure out how to be connected and how to stay engaged and how to, you know, maybe be in our own physical bubbles, but maintain a really uh, vibrant social circle. I think this is something we're all trying to figure out right now. And whenever there's a bunch of people trying to figure out how to do something, really cool solutions will emerge. And so it's probably hard for us where we're sitting right now to envision what the solutions will be. But 10 years from now, we'll look at this year, this past year, as the catalyst for creating so many of the things that exist that we just take for granted. You know, and so whatever the the equivalent of, you know, cell phones that helped people connect when they're walking around town instead of just on their landlines, you know, whatever that equivalent is for us now wanting to connect in person, whether it's, you know, stand up TVs that you walk up to and, and, you know, you're standing in front of a full length other person in, in their room or, you know, the, the VR equivalents of that, you know, that something will emerge in the next decade that is dealing with exactly what we're going through right now. So I'm excited to see what happens. Well, hopefully we'll have teleportation by then and then it'll just make it way easier. So, right. uh, Chris, where can people, uh, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they learn more about Trainual? So Trainual is just trainual.com, like trainingmanual.com. And then you can find me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, YouTube. It's just at Chris Ronzio everywhere. And I'd love to, to connect with you. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. It's been uh, such a pleasure chatting with you today. I appreciate the time. You too. Thanks again. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today has been Chris Ronzio, who is the founder and CEO of Terrainual. If you are trying to get some repeatability, cadence, consistency, be sure to check them out and incorporate that with your teams. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.